leaving a retreat. So we've been in isolation and home confinement and all sorts of things that could be looked at as some kind of mandatory retreat. We've been taken off the streets, away from our businesses, our friends, our loved ones, and we've been isolated. And as June 15th looms closer, California will be open again. And all of us will be going out into the world to see what the hell happened. A lot of places closed, a lot of places open, a lot of people out of work, a lot of people working. But it's a different place than we left a year ago when we were told to stay home. So I don't know if you can hear the siren, but it reminds me of Los Angeles. And, and so what I want to talk about is, is how to go back into society, how to go back into the world. And the model I'm using is leaving a retreat. So what would a retreat leader or monastic or Dharma teacher tell the students who had been on a retreat? And I went online and found a few things that I think work well for just everybody going back into the world. So I'm going to be reading some of that and also giving some personal commentary. But we're going to start off with Peanuts and Charlie Brown. Who are all those people driving by in those cars, Charlie Brown? Those people are going to work. They used to wait for the school bus like we're doing right now. Now they have to go to work every day for the rest of their lives. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Whose idea was that? So we're going to be seeing a lot more activity in the world. And on Vermont Avenue, right out my window here, man, it's bumper to bumper. It's like it never happened. You know, and and so how are we going to do it? How are we going to have the right mindset to deal with all this agitation, all these people that can't drive anymore, all these people that are completely lost and don't know where they're going or what they're going to do next? So Shenzhen, uh, a friend and teacher, used to say after a retreat, you will either have afterburn or afterglow. It'll either be really good or really bad. And we don't know what's going to happen until we leave the retreat, until we leave our house, until we leave our apartment and go back into the streets of the city. Are we going to have afterglow or are we going to have afterburn? Okay, so now I've got five five, uh, aspects of leaving the retreat that I'm going to talk about. And the first one goes like this. Number one, one spiritual teacher says, I often tell people to plant the seed for their life after the retreat while they're in retreat. Let the tools and the prayers get planted in you so the mindfulness can take over whether you're in a silent retreat or standing in line at Vaughn's supermarket. Once you have the means to be guided from the inside out, You can have the presence and quiet anywhere. So the idea in this is, before we go back to work, before we go out and have a full life again, let's let's think about what we're leaving behind. Let's think about what we've learned. 
Let's see if we can plant some seeds to give us a bit more stability and insight and awareness once we're back in the street. And, and, and you know, standing in line at Vaughn's supermarket, uh, I, I like to use as an example because it's just the perfect place to practice. You have people that don't know how they're going to pay. You have people looking at the receipt to see if they paid too much. You have people who forgot something and have to go back out of line and get something and bring it back in. And all the while, you're ready to go. And you can't. So this is a perfect time to watch your breath. Watch it go in, watch it go out, watch it go in, watch it go out. All the mind states that arise, impatience, anger, watching them arise and and not having to act on them, not having to verbalize them. Uh, I I find if if one is angry, it's best not to say anything. And and oftentimes in line, anger can arise. And, And so simply using that few moments as a mini retreat, as a little meditation space, uh, a way to, to get back into your head, to get back inside and not let the outside direct you quite as much as it used to. So that's number one. Number two, this one I really like. You are not the same person you were at the beginning of the treat. So don't try to be one. Don't try to be that guy or gal that started the retreat, because after the retreat, somebody else has taken your place. Another spiritual teacher says, I like to tell people, when you go on retreat, you don't ever come back. (laughs) When you go on retreat, you never come back. I don't mean not physically come back from the retreat. You physically come back, of course, but you may find something during the retreat whether it was truth, peace, freedom, love. If you maintain the same focus in your everyday life and keep it in front of you, your consciousness will transform completely. So here we are, and we've made our preparation to go on retreat, in some cases going into isolation. And some, somebody told us a month, somebody told us two months, somebody told us maybe six months, Over a year later, we're getting ready to go out again and look around. And that person that started is not the same person that's going to come out. Um, Every day, we are born into somebody else. Every day, we're, we're not the same person we were yesterday, and we're not going to be the same person that will happen tomorrow. So how can we figure out the present moment? Where are we now? I find, again, breathing meditation is perfect because it allows us to, to use that as our reference point. That's our anchor. You know, the breath occurs all the time, whether we want it to or not. And it continues to change, sometimes deep breaths, sometimes baited breaths, sometimes short, you know, breaths. And, and so is it the same person breathing each breath? Well, no. Is it a different person breathing each breath? Breathing each breath? No, it's not different either. It's, it's different and the same at the same time. So this is like this ultimate reality of, okay, I got to be somebody. Who do I choose to be? And because we can't be who we used to be, and we don't know how we're going to be, 
What we need to choose is something that's skillful right now in this present moment. Kindness, politeness, those aspects of our personality are so useful at times like this that we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable because everybody feels uncomfortable because nobody knows what's going to happen next. And, and so as we go out into the world, we need to really stay focused on being here now. Yesterday, I was watching uh, a, a golf uh, tournament. And the leader, six shots ahead, was pulled over by the officials. And they said to him, the test you took in the morning to see if you had COVID came back positive. You can no longer be in the tournament. And I went, man, what? I mean, the guy had his vaccination. The guy was outside with all the other golfers. The, you know, it didn't seem to me that that would, could ever be the case again. But according to the golf tournament, it sure can. So as we venture out into the world, we need to be cautious. We don't need to be overly cautious, but just cautious. And, and be aware that maybe we could get COVID again, even if we're vaccinated. And if we're vaccinated, they say it's not going to be as bad and the symptoms won't be as bad and it'll it'll leave sooner and there'll be less, you know, blah, blah, blah. I I don't want to find out if that's true or not. But here we go on June 15th, back into the world, you know, and and I think we need to be cautious about what we're going to do and more importantly, how we're going to do it. And last but not least, who we're going to be. Who are we going to be? Number three, another mindfulness teacher said, the reintegration process can be challenging and somewhat confusing. I try to make sure people are grounded in their senses before they drive off so they don't become dangerous on the road. When you walk out of the meditation hall for the last time, pace yourself. Stop and look at the sky. Smell the air or touch a tree as you walk by. So when you leave your compound, whatever that might be, and go back into the world, take a deep breath. Touch a tree. Look at the sky. Be aware of the birds and the chipmunks and the squirrels. Get back into this is, okay, this is my life on earth. I got to take a couple breaths because I'm going to be distracted now unlike I was for the last year. There's going to be so much stuff going on. We got the Lakers. We got the Dodgers. We got the Angels. Just to say a few things that can distract us. We've got binge watching. We've got TV. We've got news. We've got politics. We've got environmental issues. Man, there's so much stuff that's going to catch our attention now. And we're going to sort of leave this space that we've created for ourselves over the last year And now we're going to have to go out and keep our balance. And sometimes the best way to keep your balance is to touch a tree or to look at the sky or smell a flower. You know, that's, we need to stay focused. We we can't be consumed by all the sense door information that's going to hit us and punch us. We've got to be aware that 
that the inside now needs to be more important than the outside until we regain our balance. Okay, number four. When you shift out of retreat and back into your life, you will likely default into some habits and patterns that weren't necessarily skillful. Another teacher says, life on retreat is very simple for the most part. So I understand after retreat, when life gets complicated, it's easier to fall back into conditioned patterns. This is another opportunity, though, for us to be awake and mindful. When you see places in your life where you may previously have been on autopilot, autopilot, it's a chance to bring awareness to those moments. In this way, you can use your transition to learn more about your patterns, bring kindness and compassion to yourself, and possibly make changes in areas of your life you'd like to see changed. So this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to look back and see what we've discovered in ourselves. What kind of patterns did we notice? What kind of reactions seemed to be our autopilot way of reacting to the world? And could we change our reaction into response? Could we be more aware of how we're responding to the world around us And when we get into those habit patterns that don't necessarily benefit us or others, can we change them or simply not use them in the way we used to? And I think we can, especially if we're meditators and have been meditating for a while and have seen the thinking, thinking that goes on in our head all the time and pick up on the fact that I don't have to be the thoughts. I've got that option now because I meditate and I see the thoughts just happen and I can choose to be those thoughts or to let the thoughts go. I've got a choice in the matter. And in that case, if that choice is real, if we take advantage of it, those patterns and those habits that we've acquired over the years that we've been alive don't need to drive us in a certain way. They don't need to be our master. We can break the chains. We can be free again to choose one or the other. So, can we do it? Can we be that skillful and that aware? Well, maybe some of the days we can. Maybe other days we can't. But that's when the compassion and kindness comes in to forgive ourselves when we screw up again. Or simply go back to the old ways because they're more comfortable and it doesn't take as much thought. Number five. While this isn't always possible, it's ideal if you can give yourself some time to slowly reintegrate. The world can seem very loud and fast after a retreat. There are so many, there are so many stimuli now and the rapid pace of life can make you feel like you need to get on board really quickly. The first few days can be disorienting. When you go back to work, try to minimize the number of meetings, and if you can't avoid scheduling a lot of social activities for a week or so, that would be good. So, 
these people who have worked from home now for the past year, year and a half, are going to have to go back into an office sooner or later, perhaps. And, and, and that's going to be take you out of balance because you've created a balance at home. Now you have to create the balance again at work. And maybe we should do it according to what this teacher says in, in a slow and mindful way. You know, be aware of, of all the meetings that are scheduled and, and, and put yourself in the right, right mindset to go in, um, be aware of the meeting, and then let it go as much as you can or need to after the meeting and prepare for the next one. And, and the social events. I know I, I see the bars are opening again and the restaurants are opening again. And if you've been vaccinated, you can go to the baseball game and sit with a thousand other people. And that's going to be really fun for a lot of people because we're all social animals and we like to hang out with people and we like to share experiences and we like to talk. And, and the stories are always good after a, a long absence. And, and, but again, the, this is a way to lose our balance again. And we, we need to be so cautious as we go back into the world to, to not lose that balance, to not get caught up, to not feel fear or isolation again. We need to feel confident that we can make it through the day in a skillful way that doesn't increase suffering for anybody, including ourselves. And that happens because of awareness. It doesn't happen necessarily because of habit patterns, as we saw in the earlier paragraph. Those habit patterns can be useful, like brushing your teeth, necessarily it's not necessary to think about every brush movement as you brush your teeth it's a habit it's a habit pattern but there are times driving your car when those habit patterns may or may not be as skillful as they could be and and i tell you i've seen the people are not driving well out there it's so weird it's like this is their first day after class and and uh, i think this past year I've driven maybe 1,000, 2,000 miles, that's it, you know, and I'm going, wow. So every time I sit in my car, I take a few moments to sort of feel the steering wheel and where are the pedals and, 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 and how does it, are the windows clear and do I need to wash them and that kind of, I just get into that moment of driving and then I slowly, you know, creep out into the, to the, to the street and I look left and I look right and, and, and I sort of ease into traffic and I sort of get into the flow and I have this sort of awareness thing going. And, and it, it, it comes back, but I prepare myself for it to come back. And when I rode a motorcycle, I do that every time. I just sit on the motorcycle and, and feel the bike beneath me and, and feel the pedals and the, and the clutch and the brake and, the, and, and just so it, it brought me back to that place of riding a motorcycle. And when I get into my car, it brings me back into that place of driving a car. And some of it is habit, and a lot of it is just simple awareness of what I need to do next to avoid being in an accident. And, and that's the stuff we're going to be practicing for a while as we go back into the world and say, okay, how do I be me? How do I do all the things I used to do? Where, where do I go if my favorite restaurant or store is closed? I have to find new ones, new stores and new restaurants. And, and so we're going to be doing a lot of re-education in our going out back into the world. We're going to have to 
find our place. I posted a, a, um, uh, a meme yesterday on Facebook of a dog lying in a, in a streak of light, sun coming through the window. And Carlos Castaneda, in the teachings of Don Juan, talked about um, finding your place. You've got to find your place. And so he asked, well, how do I find my place? Well, you, you want to find a place that's comfortable and, and, and allows you to be aware. Okay. And so that's the place we have to find. We need that awareness and that comfort. And once we find that place, we can maneuver through the world in a skillful way. Now, one last thing. Marcus Aurelius, in his meditation... Uh, you know, I, I, I probably read it in high school, but I don't remember reading it in high school. And I just found it online again. And I go, Dan, this guy was good. This guy knew some stuff. And he started writing his meditations in his 60s. So he was an old guy as he sat down and, and started reflecting on his life and his thoughts about life and, and how he saw certain things. So I've been reading it and I'm going, wow, you know, it, he, he could have been a little bit Buddhist as well. Not that he knew what Buddhism was. But Marcus Aurelius said, Concentrate every minute like a Roman, like a man, on doing what's in front of you with precise and genuine seriousness, tenderly, willingly, with justice, and on freeing yourself from all other distractions. Yes, yes, you can. If you do everything as if it were the last thing you were doing in your life, stop being aimless. Stop letting your emotions override your mind. Stop being hypocritical, self-centered, irritable. You will see how few things you have to do to live in a satisfying and reverent way. Now, I, I read that, and I'm going, man, this guy's into mindfulness. Just pay attention to what's in front of you. What are you going to be doing? You know? And, 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 and I, I love how he starts, do it like a Roman. You know? I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of ancient Rome, and I'm just thinking, man, those Romans, they just built stuff all over the place. Tall, tall things. They spent decades building stuff. You know? And so this gives us a chance in a small way, to build ourselves with mindfulness, with awareness. Invest yourself. Do it like it's the last thing you're ever going to do. And that kind of mindfulness that comes out of that, that attitude will carry you along in a very good way.